Hello everyone, I am Chris Cagle, Mr. CAC, Mr. Keck, and I am here looking to try to start up a new series on our YouTube channel. So we normally cover some nerd stuff from a reactionary standpoint, but I wanted to cover an aspect that I feel very near and dear to my heart, and I'm calling it late to the party, and that's for me as someone that falls behind or lags behind and getting caught up in some of the top uh, nerdy pop culture conversation starter. So I started thinking, you know, I can't watch everything I want to watch live and in the moment or um, opening weekend in the theaters. So I want to be able to react to, to things that happen, you know, when I finally get a chance to do it. And I might be a little bit late to the party, but that doesn't discredit my initial reaction to some of these nerdy pop culture uh, zeitgeist moments. And it's not even like a revolutionary idea. There are people that do reactions to home releases of videos all the time. This is just me wanting to put into practice a form of reaction that I like. Uh, because I'm going to be late to a lot of things. And while I would love to do... So I did a, a Chapter 1 reaction video uh, when they did the re-release. And while, yeah, that was kind of late to the party, it was at least in the moment of the re-release. It was the first screening of the re-release uh, nationwide. I was there to watch it, and I felt like, you know, I wanted to provide immediate reaction. Well, Shazam is something that I've missed by several months, but it's still something that I recently watched that I would like to have kind of my open reaction to. Um, so what I want to do is I want to process, you know, Shazam um, with you if you would like to take this adventure with me. And hopefully, you know, if you like this, you stick around, you give us a like, you give us a subscribe. There's buttons down below. If you click on that little bell, it helps support our channel. And boy, would I like that support. And if you give us a like, that just shows us that, you know, we're heading in the right direction. So um, if nothing else, if you don't like this or if you have an idea for some... Uh, something else that uh, we might be late to the party to that you want us to give reaction to, feel free to put it in the comments and we'll make sure to hit it up. Especially since, again, I currently have two children, a six-month-old and a soon-to-be three-year-old. I'm missing a lot of things that happen in the moment, and I get around to it a little bit slower nowadays. And then when I do get around to it, it's still new to me, damn it. So with Shazam, I, I want to preface this by saying... I don't think I'm in the minority on this one. I think Shazam is a property kind of like with Guardians of the Galaxy where it's it's something where if you're within and and maybe it's a little bit more known than Guardians of the Galaxy was at the time. You know, I imagine there's a lot of mystique to it um or at least a lot of uncertainty to the general mass audience. So I took this in the same vein as I took Guardians of the Galaxy of this was a property I didn't know a whole lot about. So I didn't know what to expect. And finally, finally after watching this movie, here is my most immediate and raw reaction to Shazam. It was a real fun movie. Like, I mean, I feel like that's, that's, the, that's the quick and easy way of saying what Shazam is. Shazam is a really fun not overburdensome, not drawn out, not overly gray-toned, heavy topic. Like, there are heavy topics within it, but for the vast majority of that film, you have a very fun-feeling film. You have something that DC hasn't been ever in a long time, but I feel more confident saying ever. And I think Shazam... 
Shazam was a breath of fresh air for that. And they've been on a really good hot run, but if you look at the two movies before this that did really well um, as independent you know, hero movies, Wonder Woman and Aquaman, you have two of the bigger two of the bigger characters in the echelon of DC Comics and two of the characters that had already been introduced in previous movies. So it, it's not that they were out of people's mind. We had seen Justice League and you either liked their depiction or you didn't. And that either helped or hurt kind of your perception going in. We hadn't seen Shazam before. Honestly, watching the cartoons and thinking back to my childhood, I don't even remember Shazam popping up a whole lot in that. It's just one of those things where he's just not a character that I'm well-versed with. But after watching this movie, he's a character I became immediately more interested in. So you have you have a movie that follows a pretty tried-and-true skip uh, script when it comes to young adults or you know when it comes to adolescents processing the the realities of high school and then you add in the other factor of Billy Batson being a foster child and his search to find his biological mother and kind of how that story plays out you have a really good mixture of the fun brevity that comes with just high school hijinks um, and having a very youthful cast, and having a very child-driven story arc, while also paired with the the search for his mother, and then the ultimate realization of finding his mother, and what that means uh, to his overall story to that point, and his needing or his you know searching to find a family. Um, it's a real good. It's a real. I mean, like you could pick you could pick out a multitude of positive messages towards young people that come in this movie and that's always a good sign is when you have um, valuable messages that aren't beating you over this over the head so it's not that there's even this notion that you know fostering is something that is something that could be taken as important within our country right now and something that should be taken into consideration as something very important it's not even they were trying to beat your head over that it was just the fact that you had a foster family that didn't work but now is starting to work because Billy understands that his measure of family doesn't have to be his biological um, relationship. So again, good positive messages. Um, also, some bad bad messages about you know the the uh, the mixture of hormones and emotions that come with being young. And Billy Batson's progression throughout the whole story was really good. You had you had someone that clearly was a I feel like broken's a little harsh, but I mean, more or less to, to find a lack of, you know, a better word to describe it, a broken child. So someone that came um, from a very broken background where he was bouncing out of foster homes because he was, you know, secretly trying to find his mother, but also someone that had went through the trauma of being separated and for all he knows, losing his mother um, and potentially having a mother out there that didn't know if he was still alive or whatever. And, and granted, there's a twist to all of that that eventually hits, but still, you have you have a pretty realistic, I mean, a very realistic approach to it in, in the Billy Batson character, where he where he's trying to process all of that. He's lashing out. You, you understand if you follow any any child-based story that starts with an orphan or starts with a foster um, 
family member or someone that just comes from that broken background of they lash out because they're looking for that connection. They're lashing out because they want to be noticed. However, you know, it, it ultimately plays out. And you saw him get brought into what seems to be a welcoming environment, but he doesn't want to give it the attention because ultimately he's searching for something that he believes is his family and this random assortment of people aren't in our family. And that interplays well with him being summoned by a wizard uh, to take on this responsibility of a collection of people. So, I mean, he's being chosen. He was chosen for the foster family, um, even if even if you know some of that choice is dictated by outside forces. This is also another choice, and how he goes about accepting them is a good defining characteristic for how his character arc plays out. So, with the family, he was hesitant. Um, with the superpowers, he was hesitant. Uh, but when he was able to embrace the superpowers, you see it kind of play off as a coping mechanism, as a drug. Like it, it's such a fascinating look if you wanted to go academically into Billy Batson and then Billy Batson as Shazam, because you have you have a you have a you have a young you have a young boy that had been you know mentally mentally scarred. And now he takes on a form or a body or a power that keeps him from being scarred because he's bulletproof. He's untouchable. And you see him latch on to that. You see him as someone that this is this is his coat of armor. This is his comfort blanket. This is this is his coping mechanism for, you know, whatever things he's having a hard time internalizing. And because he's 14 he doesn't necessarily know how to fully express. I get lost in some movies where you have a 13-year-old, you have a 14-year-old who is going through these messed up things and then, you know, waxes poetically about these internal thoughts very elegantly. That's not how a kid does it. A kid doesn't know how to define it. A kid doesn't know how to look at it. But if you give them superpowers, they're going to show you what those insecurities look like manifested. Um, he was seeking fame, he was seeking adulation, he was seeking praise, uh, he was seeking something to protect himself, and that's what all, it, it was a very selfish-driven use of superpowers, and uh, some of that's a mixture of potentially the pain he's experienced, even though he may not realize that, and then the other is just being a kid. It's like having the coolest toy. You want to show that off, and, and, you know, I mean, we've all either been part of that or we've been on the outside of that but you if you have the it thing you want to be in the spotlight because that's what it is and if you have superpowers you want to be there to, to believe that you can fly i believe i can fly i believe i did you believe i like that they use modern technology as a framing point i like the fact that there's you know a lot of reference to to the youtube culture which you know surprise surprise here i am throwing something on youtube um but, I mean, that's realistic. That makes sense. And it doesn't feel shoehorned in. It doesn't feel forced in. It doesn't feel like sometimes where you have movies where adult characters or where the concept goes into this this force feeding of social media in an awkward way. I mean, this felt very realistic. It's not that they immediately went to YouTube. It's when they realized that there were things that they could make YouTube videos out of, they hit them up. And I mean that's 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 the current that's the current culture we're in, and I thought it was really good. Overall, I feel like if I had uh, any issues with this movie, it would be Doctor Silvana as the main big bad. 
nothing against Mark Strong. Mark Strong, great actor, love him and everything. I still think of him uh, very fondly from one of his most recent movies I saw, which was the second Kingsman, uh, and him singing. This country road, take me home to the place I belong. Bring him to me. West Virginia. If you haven't seen that, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But I love Mark Strong. Don't so don't get me wrong with that. I just think the character Doctor Savannah, and honestly, it's not that Shazam has a, a large repertoire of of villains that are well known. So I think that's the issue. But Doctor Silvana for this first go, I appreciated the Seven Deadly Sins more. So I thought the Seven Deadly Sins were really fun, refreshing, and make sense in the DC universe uh you have the woman with the amazonian tribe where where you know you have that kind of fictitious character and some of the character names are of uh greek gods and greek characters greek mythology and then you have aquaman and the atlanteans and kind of that uh other collection so the seven deadly sins makes like a perfect sense and it it allows you to open up this idea of of demons being part of the world, so more of a monster-driven type thing, as opposed to how Marvel plays it off, where, you know, uh, we have Thor, who's a god, but that's just because early humans confused aliens for gods, and I don't like that explaining away of things. I like the concept of demons. I, I'm big into the angel-demon uh, interplay as uh, story devices, as story elements. So I thought that was super, super fantastic, and you know they didn't look too bad either. They had very, uh, they had like a mixture of Ghostbuster, Men in Black vibe to their design. And while I know a lot of people are tired of being killed by CGI, I, I thought they looked pretty good. Um, but Doctor Silvana, more specifically, I just feel like it was a, a weaker character. Now to be set up as as a as a member of Mister Mind's Society of Monsters, that's a cool idea. The fact that a caterpillar will probably be Shazam 2's next big bad, hilarious. I mean, that just everything about that sounds like a good time to me. Um, so I'm super interested to see how a child reacts to a talking cat, uh, talking caterpillar. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff to have there, and I, I think I think the the idea that potentially Shazam 2 will feature the um, Society of Monsters really makes the use of the Shazam family a more appealing thing. At first, I didn't like that all of the family was already brought into the Shazam powers in this first one, um, but it made sense in fighting the seven deadly sins and getting the plot device of drawing out all the sins from Dr. Silvana. But it makes even more sense if in the next movie you're going to pit a super group of the Shazam family against the... Uh, society of monsters because then what i hope happens is that black adam is introduced or black adam had already been introduced and then he's a follow-up and this is his first confrontation with shazam is in this movie because then you get the fun story element of your especially so what they need to do what they need to do is they need to introduce in shazam to the concept that um by giving the other children in his foster family the Shazam powers while he's also in Shazam mode 
that it weakens him overall and then introduce Black Adam and then have Black Adam and Shazam be a point where Shazam has to choose. Does he maintain his family helping him fight the the uh, Society of Monsters or does he need all the power to himself to fight this person that's on par with him at 100% in Black Adam? And I think you then get the storyline of him who at the end of the first movie was accepting of his foster family. But how truly accepting is he? Um, especially when you start to weigh that in of he's thinking of them, but needing all of the power to himself to fight this battle alone. And you'll have the family drama just from that internally. And it allows him to continue processing while I may have felt good about joining this foster family originally, it's still not my family. I'm still trying to find my place. I'm still trying to see how I fit. And and there's always, you know, a, a wealth of story to, to go from there. So I think it'd be interesting. But at the end of the day, Shazam had everything working for it for the same reasons why I liked Spider-Man Homecoming. You had good, wholesome fun, which is something DC movies have been lacking for a while. Um... You, I mean, it's just fun. It was lighthearted and fun, even though there were some heavy elements to it. They carried it in a fun way, and it was a very Marvel-feeling movie for a DC movie, and it worked out great for them. Um, but a lot of comparisons when I was watching it that I thought, oh, wow, this, this reminds me of Homecoming. So not just the fact that you have a high school-based hero gaining powers and stuff like that, but you have the use of some 80s rock music interplayed in with things so especially the end credits so the end credit scene um, where it's a sketchbook drawing and there is um, an old rock song playing that is exactly that is exactly how spider-man homecoming ended um so I'll, like this there you go when I'm lying, my fitness, I don't so what you get is you get a very much a feel i, I mean there was even moments throughout where just the humor itself where it was a definitely playing to a younger audience it just felt an awful lot like spider-man homecoming um and and i don't think that's a bad thing i think that's a very positive thing for them because i think marvel for marvel it, it necessarily wasn't the strongest spider-man movie and it wasn't necessarily the strongest marvel movie but for dc because of how drastically different it is from the the gray-scaled, heavy gray, uh, heavy rain-driven, very heavy plot um, elements from Justice League, from Batman vs Superman, from Man of Steel—you know all that—you get something completely different. That's just fun. It's just fun. Like sometimes you just want to go and watch a movie that's just fun, and that's the beauty of having an almost entirely. Uh, child-led cast is that you get to just have fun but i love shazam i i am very sorry i was so late to this party but i am glad that i finally have ticked that off my um comic book movie list and i look forward to seeing what their second one does again this is a property i didn't know a whole lot about and after watching it i immediately started looking more into shazam and his cast of characters so uh, i am excited to see what dc does with it I think based on what the slate looks like next, this is probably going to be the last DC movie I like for a couple of years. I'm not sure where I'm going to feel about the Joker or Joker. I don't, don't know where I'm exactly feeling about uh, Birds of Prey. And then once 
Suicide Squad 2 hits with James Gunn at the helm and some of the choices he's making, I think then I'll be back on board with, here's some good fun. Here is some good fun to be had with DC. But I think they're going to go through another slight uh, dry spell. But we'll see. We'll see if that's a reaction video or if that's a late-to-the-party reaction video. So thank you all so much for joining me. If you have liked any of my incoherent ramblings, give a like. If you really liked my inco incoherent ramblings, give a subscribe. Click on that bell. And if nothing else, if leave us some comments, and we'll see if there's some things that maybe you're late to the party that we've also been late to the party, and we'll watch it and we'll give you a reaction. Have a good one. I love you. Is the end. Goodbye. Good night. Click the like. Click the follows and the likes. Click them now. Click. Click now. Goodbye. Click.